it's no surprise to you, and it's been our collective experience, that there has been a lot of discussion over the past weeks and months about who our president should be and who it shouldn't be, and who our leader, national leader, should be and shouldn't be. And there's been a lot of trying to discover this truth or that truth. And I just want to simply suggest that we take a moment and readjust our minds and rediscover who God is. There's a lot of people getting worked up about a lot of things. And generally, it's because we've forgotten and lost sight of who God really is. And I want to draw our attention back to that this morning. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about who God is, the thing that pops in your mind is probably the most important thing, the most defining character of your life. The preeminent attribute of God, if I could suggest one is preeminent, would be his transcendence. His transcendence must be rightly understood in the context of his imminence. Now let me explain what transcendence and imminence are. God's transcendence is the fact that his, he exists above and independent from all other things. That's what transcendence means. That the existence exists above and independent all other things. God is transcendent. He is above. God is beyond. God is independent of all other things. He's, God is so far above and outside of all of creation. God existed and then there was time. God existed and then there was space. God existed and everything that has come into being came into being. God has always been. He's transcendent. Transcendence means he is unknowable and God is unapproachable. He's transcendent. His transcendence has to be understood, though, as the corollary with imminence. God's imminence means that his presence is everywhere with his creation. So the two attributes of God that we look at in discovering who God is, is his transcendence and his imminence. He is not transcendent in some moments and imminent in other moments. God is fully transcendent and fully imminent. God is fully out there, other, different than, removed from, over, outside of, and fully with at all times. Do you understand? No, you don't. He's incomprehensible. I've said this from week one. How can God be completely different, other, outside, unapproachable, unknowable, and completely within and with? The transcendence of God 
is known in God's name, El Shaddai, the almighty sustainer. It's known in his name in scripture, El Elyon, the most high exalted God, unknowable and unapproachable. That is his transcendence. We have no hope of getting near nor knowing the transcendent God. Yet God is also imminent, known by his name, Jehovah, the self-revealing one who reveals who he is by what he does in the context of human lives. Though he is outside of everything we can know and experience, he is very close and near and within. If we miss his transcendence, we will miss who God is. And if we miss his imminence, his transcendence doesn't matter. Some of the men who helped our nation be birthed had a very high view of God's transcendence. They believed there was a creator who created all people, although they had a very low view of his imminence. And when you have a high view of God's transcendence and a low view of his imminence, you have deism, which means that God got stuff started and then just turned it over. The problem with that is that though you have a high view of God and him as creator over all things, you have a very low view of his imminence, which means your morality is simply in the context of the culture. Today, the pendulum has swung the other way. That may have been how our country started, and it had some very inherent problems. A very high view of God and a very low view of his imminence, which means we could treat people the way the context of the culture said we could treat people. In our culture today, that pendulum has swung the other way. The vast majority of people have a very low view of God's transcendence and a very high view of his imminence. People have lost the sight and the grasp and understanding of his holiness and his otherness. And he has become the God who is our buddy, who is our friend, who is a homeboy that we kick it with. It causes people to pray to God like this. Hey, God. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Thanks. How do you approach a holy, other, transcendent God with the attitude of, hey, God. Yeah. Well, it's a sign of a low view of his transcendence and a high view of his imminence. And we have to be very careful we don't sacrifice either one. When we sacrifice either his imminence or his transcendence, we get a very skewed view and understanding of who this God is. See, when we have a low view of God's, when we have a low view of God and a low view of his transcendence, we have a high view of our problems. When we have a low view of God, we have a high view of the things of this world. When we have a low view of God, we have a high view of our own goodness. And this seems to be the context of the, at least the Christian culture in America. We've lost our understanding of his transcendence. And because of that, we don't have a God who is over, more powerful, above all things. And so in, a, in view of a low God, we have a high view of our own problems and issues and the things of this world. understand our problems that we believe our problems are bigger than us and because we have a low view of God transcendence because our problems are bigger than us they're probably bigger than him you know that you have a low view of God's transcendence when you think that God is okay with who you are right now now let me be clear God loves you for who you are right now but he loves you too much to leave you who you are right now 
And you know you have a low view of his transcendence when you think it's okay. Until we have a high view of God, we will never understand the depth of our own sin, the need for confession and repentance, and the need for a relationship with him. See, most people treat God in one of two ways. Like a little puppy at home that's always around, and when you choose to pay attention to that little puppy, he's pretty happy. Or they treat him like a house cat who's always around but doesn't really care if you're around. Most people treat God in one of those two ways. As if God should be pleased that we've chosen to be here. Because after all, we got things to do. Let me help you explain what transcendence and imminence are. I want you to get this. The transcendence of God means that God is far above and outside his creation. The imminence of God means that he is present alongside and close to his creation. Transcendence means that God is far removed from. Imminence means that God is near to and within. Transcendence means he is wholly other and independent from the physical material world. Imminence means he is fully present in the physical world with us. Transcendence means he is wholly unapproachable and unknowable. Imminence means he is completely accessible to his creatures. Because God is everywhere, he doesn't need to go anywhere. He is transcendent. And because God is everywhere, he doesn't have to go anywhere because he's always imminent. Here's the beautiful thing about God. Though he's transcendent and imminent, he is both things at all times. Another attribute of God is called his simplicity. It doesn't mean he's simple and easy to understand. It means he is simply all. He is simply transcendent. And he is simply imminent. And so therefore, God doesn't have to be transcendent in this moment over all things, and then imminent in this moment, present with all things. At all times, God is transcendent, and at all times, God is imminent. Do you understand? You starting to track with me? This is a unknowable God who wants dearly to be known. See, here's the problem. Without transcendence, we understand God in the context of our own image. And without imminence, God is forever removed from his people. And both are dangerous. See, it's God's transcendence that makes him worthy to be worshipped. It's God's transcendence and other that makes him worthy to be obeyed. It's God's transcendence that makes him worthy to be feared. And most people have lost the fear of a transcendent God. So sin is no big deal. Those attributes of God that are what we call uncommunicable, they can't be attained by us. We are not all powerful, we'll never understand that. We're not all knowing, we'll never understand it. Those attributes are the result of his transcendence. God's eminence makes those attributes that we can understand accessible. His love, his mercy, his compassion, his grace. 
See, here's, here's how we go about approaching God, understanding his transcendence and his imminence. We appeal to God's transcendence for power, and we appeal to his imminence for intervention. See, when we're in need, we need a transcendent God. That is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, that is above and beyond us because there are some things in our life that we are in need of that are outside our ability to attain, to provide. We need a transcendent God. We appeal to that God for power, but unless that transcendent God comes close to us, it's of no consequence. Do you understand? He has to be imminent as well. This is God. In thinking about this this week, this is how I came up with it to be able to explain a little bit better. Power without intervention is neglect. Intervention without power is inconsequential. And so if God is powerful, transcendent, but he's not imminent, it's neglectful, right? What good does it do us to have a God that's all powerful if he's not involved, right? But intervention, imminence, without power is inconsequential. Who cares if, if someone, if God shows up, he don't have any power, right? So God has to be both transcendent and imminent at the same time at all times. I don't know about you, I thought that was pretty good. I just, I'm honestly, I just, I'm gonna give myself a high five. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> See, it's God's transcendence that makes him omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But it's God's imminence that makes the God of all power, the God of all knowledge, the God is always present, accessible. And he has to be both. Because of God's transcendence, all things are upheld, the Bible says, by his mighty power. But God is upheld by nothing but himself. He's transcendent. This transcendent God. Here's part of our problem. We become so comfortable with Jesus, we've lost our awe of God. That's the problem for church folk. We've become so comfortable with Jesus, we've lost our fear of God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of this transcendent God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of this transcendent Lord? Who has been his counselor? He is transcendent and far above all things and all people. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. He is transcendent and far above. Do you understand? God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. And your ways are not my ways. They're different. The Lord has declared, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I am transcendent. And you approach me as if we're buddies. I am transcendent, God says. My ways, they're beyond you. My thoughts are beyond you. You cannot approach me. You can't know. I am God, he says. 
and we've lost the awe and the fear of that God. This is that transcendent God who was worthy of awe and who was worthy of fear. I want you to consider this God Transcendent. We, we got to get a grasp on the transcendence of God, how holy other God is. Not taken lightly. This God. Y'all know, y'all heard the story of Noah and the ark, right? Noah, yeah. Joan's husband. Joan of ark. <laughs> Just kidding. It'll, it'll click with you later. So Noah and Ark, it's a cute little story, right? I mean, it's on all our nursery walls, and you get the little hippos walking up the ramp to be on a big old boat, and, you know, let's not forget the real story of Noah's Ark. After all the little critters walked up on the ramp and got on the big old barge, There's a whole host of humanity that drowned at the hand of God and the waters were filled with a cesspool of rotting flesh. That is a transcendent God worthy. Put that on the nursery wall. (laughs) That's transcendence. And God says, yeah, I did that. And my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are beyond your thoughts. And there's no way you can come close to who I am. That's transcendence. And in light of that God, this is the God who on Mount Sinai told his own people he had let out of captivity and slavery. When Moses is on the mountain, don't come near the mountain. If you cross the border and touch the mountain, you'll die. If your animals cross the border and touch the mountain, they will die. I am a fearful God. I live in the midst of darkness and thunder and smoke. I am a transcendent of it. That's God. And that's a God worthy to be feared. Transcendence means God is completely different and other than us. He is unknowable and unknown. And yet the unknowable, unknown God seeks to make himself known to us. I think we would be wise to sit in the fear and awe of a transcendent God for a little while. And allow ourselves to be very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. With a God that is so other and holy that we have no right to approach. To sit for a while in the uncomfortableness and the fear of taking that God lightly. As if his holiness is of no consequence. To sit for a while in the uncomfortableness. That that God will judge our sin. And his wrath is as much a part of who he is as his love. And to not get so comfortable with Christ. 
that we're not fearful of God. Do you understand? This is who God is. He is transcendent. And when I begin to understand the reality of God's transcendence, it changes who I am. And it changes who you are. Because when I begin to grasp the reality of God's transcendence, then and only then, I will worship and be in awe of God. Most of us have such a low view of Christ and of the Father that we're not in awe of him. We approach him as if he's our bosom buddy and our pal. Not in the God who deserves to be worshipped and honored and feared. When I have a grasp of the transcendence of God, I will then honor and obey that God because I fear dis his disapproval. I fear my transgression. When I have a right view of his transcendence, then I will respect and fear God, but not until then. And those of us who do not take our sin lightly, those of us who also do take our sin lightly, it's contingent upon our understanding of God's transcendence. Do you understand? When we, as a people, become aware of God's transcendence, we will become people that obey God and worship God and honor God, but not until then. Due to our proclivity to sin, due to our habit of sin, we are denied the right to enter into God's presence. Even our best works are considered filthiness. Even when we're at our best, God is so transcendent that even at our best, when we're doing everything right, it is filthiness before God. The Bible says through the prophet Isaiah, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rat. He is so transcendent. He is so other. Even when we are at our best before for that kind of transcendent God, we are filth. How does that make you feel? Some of you are like, I knew I should have stayed home. <laughs> that gummit. Now, if that's all there is of God, we are completely doomed without hope. And I'm so thankful. That while God is wholly transcendent, God is also wholly imminent. His imminence is a corollary to his transcendence. His imminence means that not only is God out there and big, and he's also with us. A fallen person, a sinful man. Without destroying me. Jeremiah says, it is God... Am I only a God nearby and not a God far away? God said, I am both far and near. Who can hide in secret places so that I can't see him? You can't get away from me, God says. I am right here. 
Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The Bible says in Colossians 1, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is imminent and with us and present. The God who is transcendent and so other is also present with us right now. Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise because you are here. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You know what I'm thinking. Such knowledge of you is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. I can't figure you out. Where can I go from your presence? Because you are always here. Where can I flee from your presence. You are always here. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You are imminent and always around. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. You saw me. You saw my own unformed body. All the days that have been ordained for me were already written in your book before one of them came to be. You are always around. How precious God to me are your thoughts. God, how vast the sum of it, how much you think about me. You are not just transcendent and out there. You are so present in my life. You think about me. Were I to count the thoughts you have for me, your thoughts transcendent, God, you are so with me, would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. God is imminent and with us. Last week, if you were here or listened to the message, I talked about how the study in Australia said that, that as best they could discern, there are 70,000 million, million, million stars. Remember that one, that study? Best they can discern, the stars that we can see, 70,000 million, million, million stars. I just heard this week that a new study came out of New York from Governor Cuomo's office that said, no, no, it's far less, maybe only six or seven. That's my political joke for the day. That's good, though. That's good, right? Like, how can people not be making fun of Cuomo right now? How can they not be making fun of, of what's going on? I mean, seriously. Like, Saturday Night Live won't touch with a 10-foot pole. I mean, this is too good to not make fun of. I don't know why people are, are so scared about that. So, you know, if you're a Cuomo fan, like, don't be offended. It's just jokes. It's funny. I got to lighten it up a little bit. You got to be able to breathe. Okay. It's okay. Though there's a lot to make fun of Trump about. There's a ton to make fun of Biden about. We'll make fun of everybody. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Okay. Everybody all right? I had to, I feel like I had to let off the, the, the gas a little bit. I was getting going a little bit and you need a, you need a little break. God's transcendence creates that many stars and his eminence names them all personally. See, his imminence, the fact that God is near only, it, it makes so much more when you first understand his transcendence because a God like that doesn't have to be close. He chooses to make himself available. See, this is profound. Understand who God is. While God is over and beyond and far surpasses his creation and us, his imminence is what continually draws him close to us. See, I, I, I talked about one of his, uh, his att God's attributes as him being simple. It doesn't mean he's easy to understand. We have to understand this. I, I can't express this enough. God is simply transcendent at all times. It means he is wholly that. It's not mixed with anything. He's transcendent. But because he's simple, he is also simply imminent at all times. 
God is nearer to you than your own thoughts and closer to you than your own breath. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. He holds all things because he is present. Hebrews. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This transcendent other almighty God is so present with us, primarily through the person of his son, Jesus, the Christ. God's eminence was fully revealed by the son of God. His name is Jesus. And Jesus broke the barrier of God's transcendence. And Jesus broke the barrier of our sin and our separation from a holy God through a relationship with him. God's eminence is seen in the presence of Christ. When God drew near and revealed the reality of his eminence with us, his name, Jesus, is also called Emmanuel, God with us, the transcendent God who showed up at our level. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the transcendent father because I've drawn near to you in my imminence, on my closeness. You've seen then the reality of the transcendent father. Everything that he is in his transcendence, I've revealed to you by my drawing near. Ephesians 2, in him the whole being, building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. On earth, the transcendent God dwells imminently in living temples, the hearts of his people. He has come near. This God fully transcendent and fully imminent. This, in essence, this transcendent God has invited you and me into his huddle. Do you understand? God's imminence is so, imminence is so vast, he doesn't just want to be near, he wants to be within. Through Christ, See, this is, the, this is the miracle of his transcendent eminence, Christ. See, let, let me put it in, in human terms now for you. There are times when we need to know that there's a transcendent God above and beyond us, more powerful than us, watching over all things. And there's also times where we need to know that there's an imminent God who is with us, Right? Many times I've had the experience of having to cry and rely on both the transcendence and imminence of God at the same time. One of the times that is most poignant, Shelly and I became foster parents for a little girl named Donna. Donna had a son named Joe. We became foster parents when Joe was two years old. Donna was 16, and God gave us the beautiful opportunity to be foster parents for these two kids. And for three years, happy home, reveling in having a daughter and a little boy, completely convinced of God's goodness and his mercy and grace. And then as Joe turned five, 
as Donna was gaining some independence, wanted to go out on her own and moved she and Joe away from our home in Tulare back to Fresno where her family lives. And in an instant, the little boy that I considered mine was gone. And we had no communication. Um, we had no way to know how he was doing, what he was doing, school, nothing. Did, do you know what it's like to be cut off from your child? And to know that there's someone near, but you can't get to him? You can't talk to them. You can't put your hand. You can't love them. Do you? He was five years old. And I remember multiple times being in my backyard. Say, God, you have to be transcendent because I cannot know what's going on with my son. You have to be transcendent. Right? And at the same time saying, God, you also have to be imminent because it doesn't do me or him any good for you to know what not do. Do you understand? It's in those moments, those crisis moments of life where we need a God who is both transcendent and imminent at the same time. Does that make sense? Because that transcendent God I can worship even when all hell's breaking loose. And the imminent God I know, he knows and he loves. And it was in that moment that I knew that that transcendent God was watching over my son. And it was in that moment that I knew that that imminent God was hugging him when I couldn't. You see why this is important? See, when I begin to understand God's imminence, I will be comfortable asking God my questions and doubts. Well, I'll cry out and say, God, I don't understand. Give me wisdom to trust you because right now it's hard. When I understand his imminence, I know he's close, and I will be comforted by God in the midst of my sorrow and my son. It's not that I won't be sorrowful and sad, but I'll know that he is with me, because though he is transcendent, he's also imminent. And it's when I understand his imminence that I will then conquer my fear and weakness, because I know I'm not in it alone. And when we understand his imminence, we become people who walk with God and who God walks with us. It's this God who is fully other, who wants to be fully with. But the access to this God is through Jesus and through the cross. Where you come to the cross, where we come to the cross and agree with God about what sin is and agree with God that we do it and agree with God in the need to ask for forgiveness from it and agree with God in our repentance and turning. See, 
his transcendence was made plain through the cross. Through the cross, the transcendent God showed his infinitely imminent love. It was through the cross that the transcendent God forever revealed for all of us his infinitely imminent and present love. It was through the cross. The wonderful, wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. That this transcendent, holy other God said, I want to show you in human form how much I love you and how close I want to be with you. It was through the cross. Don't get so comfortable with the cross that you miss the awe of God. And realize that the awe of God is revealed through the cross. When the transcendent God came for you and for me. So that we through faith in what he's done on the cross could come to him. It's a wonderful cross. Reason why it's a wonderful cross because it's an empty cross. Jesus isn't on it any longer. The reason that's good news, because if Jesus isn't on the cross anymore, he can be with you forevermore. This transcendent God emptied himself and emptied the cross where God poured out his wrath on Christ. So that through him we could come and have connection with a transcendent God. This is incredible news. That empty cross is the guarantee that Jesus wants to be close to you. And it's the empty cross that gives us the absolute assurance that not only because he is transcendent does he want to be close to us, but I get mom, dad, hear me on this, parents, listen to me, anybody with broken dreams, and hear me on this now, he wants to be close to you and to your kid and to your son and to your daughter and to your mama and to your papa and to that who is unborn yet, he's still there, and to those who have gone, he's still there, and to, he's still there because of the cross I want you to close your eyes just for a minute and just be in this moment just stay with me in this moment don't check out yet don't check out yet the best thing you can do right now in this moment to come before the cross. I, I, I don't know what the thing is, but I know you got a thing. And the best thing you can do is come before the cross on which this prince of glory died. The best thing you could do is come before the cross and kneel before a transcendent God 
who is holy and other and so far beyond, who sees all, who knows all, and in humility kneel before that empty cross and say, Father, draw near to me. I'm drawing near to you. Come close. Just sit in this moment. I I don't want to direct your response in this moment. I just want you to sit in this moment. Some of you have not learned yet to sit in the presence of God. Just sit in this moment. He is a transcendent God before whom we have no right to approach, but yet through the cross. He's given us access. Just sit in this moment. And whatever it is that God puts in you or on you, just be in that moment with him. Most of us can't ever experience that transcendent God. He's so different because we don't spend time at the foot of the cross where he showed himself near. Most of us are so busy and so loud that we've not learned to quiet ourselves and hear a transcendent God come close. Father, thank you for your cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Everything we have, we count but loss.